Today, um, I want to share with you a a subject matter. We're looking at Jesus, if you haven't figured that out. Um, We we love Jesus here at 1910. Uh, Out of all the role models and people that that, that we have set our side on, out of all the people that we believe is worthy of our worship and worthy of our our lives being surrendered to, we, we believe that Jesus is the one. Are you with me today, church? Uh, and so we are, have set out on a journey over these last few weeks looking at the life of Jesus. And, and what was he like? How did he act? How, how did he inter, interact with people? How did he make decisions? What would be some of those key words or phrases that would be descriptive of this man, Jesus? And so our goal this year at 1910 is that we would look more like Jesus that when others look at us, they would see a reflection as to who Jesus is. Just as Jesus, when he walked on this earth, was a reflection as to what God was like, we believe that we have been called to this area, to this world, to put Jesus on display for others to see. Are you with me? We are no longer going to be a light hiding under a bush. Oh, no. We're going to let him shine and we're going to put him on display for all to see. Some of you just had flashbacks to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, didn't you? We're going to put Jesus on display. Here's the deal today that whenever we go about our life, whether that be at HEP, HEP, HEB, in the carpool line, uh, in Little League sports, oh, it's hard there. People ought to be able to see Jesus in how we act. Are you with me? Whoever blows it or loses their cool at a little league game? No. Not going to mention any names, but shame on you. Just kidding. Pac, Pac, you know I love you, brother. That's awesome. Yeah, we all do. I was announcing a girls' high school basketball game this week, and man, it got ugly. Girls, vicious. Wow. Man, anyway, I almost went unpastor on somebody too. (laughs) Listen, if you, if, if, uh, yeah. (laughs) You guys know that if I'm ever in jail, it was for a holy reason, okay? (laughs) Just come get me out before Sunday so that I can come back and preach. So, amen. People just sometimes, oh man, (laughs) Some of you might be there with me. You never know. So, okay. Hey, so today I want to talk about another issue and, 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 and really these, you please know something. The, the messages that I share with you, they're probably for no one else in this room. It's a word that God has for me. Okay. Uh, They're, they're, they're words that you guys only have to listen for 30 minutes. I wrestle with these for days and weeks and hours upon hours and, and, and I believe that this word may not be for any one of you in the room today, but it may specifically be just for me. Today, we want to look at a quality in Jesus' life, patience. Patience. How many of you right now, let's be honest, with the showing of your hands would say, I probably need a message on patience because I struggle. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that it's not just for me. But today, I want us to look at patience. And, and, and as you see on the screen, it's, it's, an, it's a noun. And, and it means the capacity to tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without becoming angry or upset. It's the capacity to tolerate delay, 
to tolerate trouble. It's the capacity to tolerate suffering without becoming angry or upset. Perhaps you you know this feeling. The feeling of of waiting for your phone to charge. (laughs) And and you've run out of batteries. You've you've been on it because you've been on version, reading God's word, right? And your phone's just kind of dead. Uh, You've been listening to to Jesus culture and, 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 oh, you've been listening to Pastor Jason's latest sermon on, you know, podcast and your, your battery just runs out, right? I know how it is. That's what you use your phones for, but you've run out of batteries and you've, you, you've plugged your phone in and now there, there, there just seems this, this substantial, treacherous amount of time in which you, what you sit and wait, you're just sitting there and you're waiting for that phone to charge. And, 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 and what really just seems to take just a matter of minutes and, and, and it's just nothing more than a phone. But, but doesn't it just seem like an eternity as we're sitting there waiting to just get a little bit more juice? They've even created things now that just the mobile battery thing that you can take and wherever you at, just plug this bad boy in so you can keep on listening to 1910 worship and sermons without missing a beat, right? But doesn't it just seem to so many of us, even in something as simple and silly as that, it's hard for us to demonstrate this, isn't it? Just wish you would hurry and charge. Patience is a rare commodity today. We, We are increasingly accustomed to instant responses to almost every situation, aren't we? Yeah, doctor's visits. We, we, we make an appointment, we go to the doctor's office and, and we should be able to get in, right? When, when it's, it's time and, and, and for, for, for most facilities, maybe that happens, but there may have been an occasion in which you've had to, to wait. Regardless of, of there's somebody in a room that's really having a hard time and struggle, I have a sniffle and the doctor better come see me, right? And just, we, we wait and so we can only watch so many videos on the screen or read so many of the magazines, right? Things like that. Restaurants. Today, you guys, some, some of us on Sundays are the most ugly people when we go to restaurants on Sunday and, and we get hangry and we, we're waiting for that waitress and because we're the only one there, we're the only one that should matter and, and, and my, my glass is not full and when is my food going to get here? And, and it just, it's hard. I know when you're hangry or thirsty, patience, traffic, traffic, man, it's, wouldn't it be, hey, listen, God, listen, you parted the Red Sea for millions. Can't you just make a way for me to get to Krispy Kreme, Starbucks, people get out of the drive through I need my... Isn't that how we are? Patience. It's hard, right? Computer. My computer. Oh, why is it so slow? You know, I need to, who was that when, you know, and give me some information. I got to ask him some questions, you know, and, oh, I'm trying to find the score. Who won the game? And it's so slow. GVTC, help a preacher out, you know. I got to study and it's just, ah. The computer, even in settings like this, in church, sometimes it's hard for us to be patient, isn't it? I just just wish the 
just wish they would make those changes and corrections that I think they need to make it. And when are we ever going to do anything? It's hard to be patient sometimes, isn't it? It's hard in situation. This is interesting. When when I was looking at this traffic thing, I I found a statistic that was awesome. Says the annual cost of running red lights. Anybody ever run a red light? Let me see your hands. Thank you. Now, if it's, it's to get, if it's to get to church on time on Sunday, it's all right. But no, but listen, the annual cost of running red lights in relation to the medical bills and the car repairs, because you know, collisions happen that way, right? It's, it's $7 billion a year. And for all of our hurry, the average amount of time saved by running a red light is only 50 seconds. But we're impatient. I've got to get there. 50 seconds matter. Whoa. Most of people alive today can, cannot even remember the day in which we had no television or automatic washers or dryers or dishwashers. I remember the first little house that Angie and I had in Stinnett, Texas, population 2222. Woo. We lived in a brown house on Brown Street. It was really hard for me to find my way home. It was amazing. Great house, huge living room, swamp cooler. Anybody know what a swamp cooler is? Yeah. Anybody ever watch Swamp People on TV? That's, that's a cool show. I think I saw a cousin of mine. But anyway, um, but never forget, no dishwasher. Who? Seriously, I'd grown up in the city. I didn't know they made houses without dishwashers. Some of us don't remember those days. Some of our kids need to go back to those days. Amen? Come on. If you've got a a teenager, you have a dishwasher. (laughs) All the kids just, they hate Pastor Jason now. Vacuum cleaners. I mean, we, we live in a society that we want it and we want it now, right? I want to lose weight and feel great, right? In 30 minutes, man, you can go from 250 to 210. In 30 minutes, just do the ab workout. Drink you some plexus, you know, wrap it up. I never forget in college, I I would wear something that resembled a trash bag. Made me sweat thinking, oh man, I'm gonna drop two waist sizes in the next six seconds. No, we are a society that wants it now and we want it quickly. Most people don't like to wait. We're always in a rush to get to the next place. We're always in a rush for the next thing. This mindset oftentimes carry overs into our spiritual lives with us rushing to that next big thing. Wow. But while most of us in a hurry, it seems that God sometimes is not in a hurry, doesn't it? In fact, God is usually not in a hurry. The scriptures say that he is slow about so many things. It seems that he always has a plan and a purpose for everything. How how many times have you said, Lord, I, I want your plan and purpose for my life, but would you just do it quickly? You know, would you just operate on my time schedule, my time frame and, 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 and all that? Well, today, as we look at Scripture, as we look at God's Word, we're going to see that, that, that oftentimes God is demonstrating patience. 
He's demonstrated it time and time again. And I just want to remind you of some of those things today and, and just let God's patience and the example even of his son, Jesus, let's just see what role that might play in our lives as well. You know, one of the, I believe that God serves as the greatest biblical illustration of the topic of today, patience. Several passages in God's word speak of him in, in conjunction with, with so many of the other gracious attributes for instance, you'll find words like God is slow to anger. In, in, in a context that stresses Israel's rebellion, even in the book of, of Nehemiah, in, in, in this context in which the, 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 the prophet is speaking of Israel's rebellion and the, the provocation of God, he's contrasted in Nehemiah 9.17 as this. He's a God of forgiveness. He's gracious and merciful. There it is. He's slow to become what? Angry and he's rich and unfailing love. The psalmist declares in, in Psalm chapter 86, verse 15, he says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. You're, you're slow to get angry and you're filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And in addition to this, this, this virtue of a, of a patient spirit, it, it's, 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 it's something that we all ought to strive for. It's praised, this this virtue of having a a patient spirit. It's praised in in, in the book of Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The New Testament, if you fast forward to the the back half of the Bible, the, the New Testament also stresses the patience of the Lord. It is God's kindness, his forbearance, it's his patience that lead people to repentance. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Wasn't God patient also in holding off the flood for the sinners of Noah's day while the ark was being built? Wasn't he patient holding off the rain? Why was he doing that? I think he goes back to this verse here. He was giving more time for repentance. Probably the greatest of the New Testament references to, to God's patience is in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Hey, listen, let's, let's face it. Sometimes God's patient for our benefit, isn't he? So sometimes... He, he, he's just a little slow. Sometimes he doesn't jump when you say, God, jump for me. Who are we to think that God is our puppet? But folks, sometimes God is patient for your sake, for your health, for your well-being, especially when it comes to giving us more time to move towards him and with repentance, the delay in, in, in his return. Oh Lord, we just wish you would return. I love billboards that forecast the return of the Lord. I love it. I'm going, man, those people just wasted a ton of money on a graphic. 
Because Jesus himself doesn't even know. You see, God is giving people an opportunity to respond to his love, to his grace, to to his forgiveness. The delay of his return is an indication uh, of the slowness of God on, 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 on his part to just give people an opportunity to come to know him. You see, he's a God that is not willing that anyone suffer. He's a God that's, he doesn't anyone, want anyone to perish. I really believe that that may be one of the things, Pastor Howard, that's keeping the return of the Lord from happening. That there are still those that have yet to hear. That there are still those that have yet to hear the, the grace and mercy, the story of the cross. And, oh man, what a challenge for us as a church to continue to go and to run after those people and share with them the story of God's grace. In relation to Jesus, there's a specific reference to to his patience that was made by the apostle Paul who who claimed that Paul was just writing that, hey, he was looking at his life. Paul was saying, hey, in my case, Jesus demonstrated perfect patience. 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others would realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Just leave those words up for me, Tom. Paul calls himself a prime example of the great patience with even the worst sinners. Now, if you know anything about Paul's life, if there's anyone that was probably the most grateful in history of of a God that demonstrated patience, it probably was Paul. You see, his name used to be Saul. And before he had this conversion experience on the road to what city? Damascus one day, a blinding light, a voice from heaven, right? Until he gave his life to Christ. Saul was probably enemy number one to the the church of Jesus Christ. He persecuted believers. He would arrest them and torture them. He, he, he was present when, when, when many lost their lives, probably had a role in the first martyr's death in the church, Stephen. If there was anyone that was probably the most grateful that God is a God of patience, it was this man, Saul. And we see it here, he's declaring, hey, I was probably the worst of sinners. Hey, listen, this ought to be great hope for someone in the house today. Because you may think that you're too far gone in which the love of Christ can't reach you. Hey, can I just let you know something? Heed these words by Paul. If there was anyone who did not deserve the love of Christ, if there was anyone that probably did not deserve a patient God, and and it would have been this man, but yet God is patient. He's kind, he's slow to anger. And even this man that had... Had, had, had persecuted the church that had defamed the name of God, the love of Christ reached out for him and changed him. And Paul is declaring here, I am so thankful that God is a patient God. I wonder, anybody else patient? Uh, glad that God's a patient God. How great was the patience of Jesus, even among his own disciples. The hand-selected dream team. These men that he chose. Hey, listen, 
Let's see, I like you, I want you, not you, I want you. Uh, He picked these these men that you would think, you would think would know their leader, their their, their, their rabbi, that, that, that they would be sold out for him, right? Even amongst his own disciples. Jesus patiently endured their blindness, their their misconceptions, and sometimes the hardness of even their hearts. I think of Philip, one of the disciples. Philip had been for three years with Jesus, yet in John chapter 14, he declares that he, Jesus declared that, Philip, you really don't know me? You see, in John chapter 14, Philip cries out with this holy eagerness and this impatience. He said, Lord, would you please show us the Father? Then we will be satisfied. Are you kidding me? I just can't help but think Jesus is going, you're a moron. (laughs) Seriously, Philip, for three years, you've seen me raise dead people? You, 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 you've, See me fill your nets with fish? Where were you the day that that we took a little boy's lunch of some bread and some fish and fed thousands? And oh yeah, Philip, I think I saw you going home with a leftover basket. Where were you, dude? And yet you're asking me to show you the father? Philip, Philip, Philip. I think this was one of those finger wagging times of Jesus. Bro, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But yet, Jesus didn't do that. I don't read that even in the New Living Translation. Even the message doesn't say that that's how Jesus came off that day. All that time, he had remained in strange. Philip was just ignorant of the Lord's dignity and glory and I love the response of Jesus. He tenderly encouraged him. He, 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 he was patient with him. He, he gave him nothing in reply for his confession of ignorance, but unparalleled promises of grace. I'm that type of person that says, what do you think? No, Jesus didn't respond that way. I think of Peter. Oh, Peter. Woo. Cut your ear off if you get in the way, right? That Peter, redheaded, angry, just full of the Peter, the one that we read in scripture that was the honored and trusted one, but yet we find that he becomes a a renegade and a coward. We know that he's the one that after Jesus was arrested, He was the one that just a few hours before said, man, I'll I'll go to death with you. I'll never deny you. And before the (laughs) rooster crowed three times, he had denied that he ever knew Jesus. Jesus could have destroyed Peter, couldn't he? He he could have destroyed, he could have given up on him due to his lack of a response to the great love that that Jesus had shown him time and time again. But what do we find Jesus, how does he respond to Peter? We find that he spares him. He bears with him. He gently rebukes him. But then he loves him more than ever. Oh, patience, patience. 
I, I, I'm even reminded of a, of a story maybe you're not familiar with in Matthew chapter 12 and in, in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 12, it says that Jesus knew that there were a certain group of people in, in this city that were going to be waiting for him and they were planning uh, uh, to, to arrest him and, and to kill him. And I just love how Jesus responded and just simply says, well, he just left the area. He's patient. He knew that his time had not come. His death was not intended for that day. So just, I'll just go somewhere else. Patience. Hey, men, if there's any example of what I think a real man should look like, I think it's Jesus. I, I think Jesus is the perfect example of what a real man should look like. He's patient. Last week, we talked about his humility. We talked about how he serves. We talked about how he loves. A great example. Well, before I let you go, one of the, one of the best pictures, I believe, of Jesus' patience took place during those, that final night and several hours before his ultimate death. Aside from laying down his life for people who didn't deserve salvation and we, we find a story in, in Matthew chapter 26. It's, it's, the, it's the, the time in which Jesus takes Peter and James and John with him to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's in this passage, Jesus, on, on three separate times, he, he returns from, from praying in the garden. He, he, he's kind of gone off from, from these three guys. He's gone to pray and he's asking, would you just stay and, and keep watching? On three separate occasions, he, he returns to where these, these three disciples, these three dream team members are. And he, what does he find them doing? He finds them asleep. Hey guys, listen, I asked you to keep watch, but, but sleeping is not watching. Our Lord knew that his time on earth was short. He knew that the weight of the world was beginning to literally press upon his shoulders. In fact, it's, it's, it's said that he sweat drops of blood as he was seeking his father's will that night and asking his father, if there's any way, please remove the cup that was before him. Yet when the son of God needed simple companionship, his closest friends, when he needed them praying for him, when he needed his closest friends standing alongside of him, he returns and finds them sleeping. Yes, these men, I'm sure, had, had been through a long day, but didn't Jesus deserve more than that? He'd spent years preparing for what was ahead of them. He, he had spent years, three years, educating them on who the father was. He, he had walked with them daily for three years, training them in righteousness. He had given them the ability to perform miracles. He had helped them, he had, he had helped them understand and, 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 and know how to cast out demons. But here's the deal. When Jesus needed them, they let him down. They let him down. Men, one of the things that stands out to me about our time together this weekend was our last session together and how we signed and covenanted with one another this I'm with you. Remember, we signed a card and gave a phone number or an email address to another brother and we said, hey, I'm with you. I pray that in that simple little exercise that we meant those words 
And that we will stand with a brother. Because even in Jesus' life, three men that he had invested in left him when he needed them the most. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, at this point, it would have been really easy for Jesus to throw a righteous fit. He could have told them how much he needed them and and how much they had let him down. He could have been more severe and required them to perform some duty to get back into his graces. Or he could have just banished them from being disciples. Hey, listen, I'm taking your name out of the book that I'm going to write later on. And people will never know that you are one of mine. Instead, what do we find a patient Jesus doing? You see, in spite of the hurt, in spite of the frustration, in spite of the agony he felt in his humanity, Jesus showed these three stooges, he showed them patience and he showed grace and mercy. So, the next time you are in line waiting due to someone's incompetence. The the next time you get behind the slowest car, the, the next time you have to deal with the most difficult customer or a child or a spouse, or the next time you have to deal with a vehicle or, or some sort of an appliance, hey, listen, will you do something? Will you just remember all the times you've let down your Lord? How often have others had to wait for you? When has Christ had to wait on you to to maybe come to him for repentance? When's the last time maybe Christ waited for you to obey him by speaking his truth to someone else? Hey, Hey, when's the last time Christ waited for you to to show love to the unlovely. When? When? Patience. He's demonstrated it to you. Oh, oh, church. May we have a little bit more of that in us. And can I just remind you that this topic today is actually part of the fruit of the spirit did you know did you know did you know that if you're filled with the spirit patience will be one of your qualities your virtues what's the bible say about that the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. For those of us who love Jesus and are filled with his spirit, this is the kind of fruit he produces in our lives. Love, joy, uh-oh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, I pray that these would be characteristics and trademarks of your people that are filled with your spirit. Amen.